All right, um, this is Fundraising Radio, episode number 12. And today as a speaker, we have uh, Pavel Cherkashin, who is the managing partner of GVA Capital and MindRock Capital. And uh, before we get started, I want to mention that our sponsor is Marple App, which is an app that allows you to create multiple marketing campaigns really simply and just to test how they work really easily. I will leave the link in the description. So let's get started. Pavel, why don't you kick off with some background on yourself and uh, a little bit about JVA Capital and MindRock Capital? Yes. So I'm originally from Moscow, Russia. <clears throat> I moved to Silicon Valley six years ago. <clears throat> Back in Russia, I uh, started three companies myself. Well, I started much more than that, but <laughs> three of them became successful. Uh, two in digital advertising, one is now part of WPP group, another is part of Dentsy Ages group. And uh, the third company became the leader in uh, customer relationship management software. I sold it to TechnoServe group and it became TechnoServe Consulting. Um, <clears throat> so each of these companies is now $100 million annual revenue and uh, uh, keep growing, but I sold everything i had a like a corporate period so i launched a business for adobe in um, russia uh, as a sort of a corporate startup exercise and then i did the same with microsoft for their online services division <clears throat> and in parallel i started to invest as an angel first because i realized i uh, completely suck as an investor in everything else <laughs> so i, I I failed with uh, stock markets, I failed with real estate, I even failed with uh, art collecting, uh, but I uh, <clears throat> I had a pretty good uh, sense for successful startup founders. So I started to invest as an angel, became angel of the year in 2012 in Russia. And then uh, in 2013 started the first fund, then moved here to Silicon Valley, uh, and decided to focus completely on uh, venture investments. Uh, so that's when I launched um, GVA Capital. So my first fund was 10 million uh, with uh, 6 million of my own money. And the second fund was close to 30 million. And then <clears throat> now I have about 200 million under management and uh, make about one investment um, every month with an average check of uh, from one to three million dollars. Uh, but at the same time, I'm pretty opportunistic. So my smallest investment is like 20K. My largest investment is uh, close to 30 million. Um, and um, uh, did quite well over the last four years. Uh, so uh, as my first fund started four years ago, for the last three years, I track uh, the uh, the returns, and uh, on average, uh, I have sixty four percent annual returns um, on um, on the investments uh, every year. And um, already three companies above billion dollar valuation. Uh, two companies did IPO, including one on Nasdaq. So uh, doing pretty well, and I'm, I keep looking for more interesting deals um, and my focus is pretty broad i mean it's all technology of course uh with the 
I like the combination of two um, two things. First, you have uh, uh, a very unique competitive advantage based on uh, a deep scientific innovation or very unique business model innovation, something that is, is hard to replicate. And at the same time, when the team has a clear understanding on how to go to market and, and grow using this innovation, when these two pieces come together, you get a really good uh, business opportunity. Mm -hmm. The numbers are really, really extremely impressive. Um, I really like that. So how do you, how, how are startups valued on, uh, based on their future potential? So that's the whole idea. That's the main difference of venture business comparing to any other type of investments, right? Uh, that uh, we, we don't value the business based on the current value of the assets, but based on how much we can sell it for. So basically, if you come with a, with an idea of, of a new button on Facebook, right? And this new button will bring Facebook billion dollars a year. Uh, this means that it doesn't really matter <clears throat> how much money you're making now, but it more matters how much money you can take from Facebook if you sell them this startup and they make a, their billion dollars and you claim to get, I don't know, a few percent of this. Uh, <clears throat> and that's how you value the startup. Uh, so, but it's a very different game because in this case, it only matters if you become the leader, if you win in your category. So basically, uh, you know, the, the, the winner takes it all or the first three places really matters. The, uh, the winner will be sold to the leader of the market or will go public and then two or three other companies will be acquired by uh, their competition, but nobody really cares about uh, who is number four or number five. That's true. <laughs> true, true. Uh, it sounds pretty depressing as well for those below three, top three. Uh, Look, uh, the, there's, there's about uh, 300,000 active startups at any moment of time, and the number is growing because the, the barrier of entry is going down. At the same time, the number of successful companies every year, like the new unicorns is pretty much the same over years. So you have two or 300 new successful companies coming to the market every year. So all the investors are chasing those 200 or 300 companies out of 300,000 companies. So the chances of, uh, for the startup founder to be successful from seed to success level uh, is your know, maximum 1.1%. So one out of thousand, which is pretty depressing, but it's a, it's a good statistics if you really like what you do and if you really enjoy the process rather than just wait to be acquired or become rich. That's true. So uh, many of my previous speakers were telling about how um, Silicon Valley is really the center of uh, investments and that if you're a first time founder, especially, you should probably go to Silicon Valley because investors there are really actively investing opposed to other cities. So uh, why do Silicon investors mostly invest locally? 
uh, <coughs> yes, because this is where the demand is. Well, for, for several reasons. First of all, this is where the demand is. So all the big companies think, uh, you know, Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon, Cisco, they all uh, scout locally for, for new startups. And if they need a specific technology, they would rather acquire a local startup because it will be much easier to integrate. So they will pay a premium to a startup that is located next to their headquarters or you know, close to their cultural fit as well. If, uh, <clears throat> if the startup is, uh, is coming from, I don't know, Eastern Europe or China or some other place where it's located there and the team is located there, then there is an extra effort in integrating this team and doing the cultural fit and all other things. And, you know, people in those companies like the scouts, the corporate development managers, they are pretty lazy. They don't want to go too far. Uh, or you, you need to have really, really unique technology for them to fly to Shanghai or Kiev uh, to acquire the company. If there is a similar analog nearby, they will they will just take it. That's uh, that's like selection process number one. Selection process number two is that uh, because this is such a competitive. Um, environment this is probably the most competitive environment in the world it can only be compared to maybe uh, hollywood when um, <clears throat> young actors are competing for for roles and even the, the the chances of you coming to los angeles working in a restaurant as a um, uh, as a serve uh, you know serving food and then being noticed and becoming an artist is actually higher than coming to Silicon Valley and becoming a successful unicorn. Um, so we, with this kind of competitive environment, if you are successful here, you will be successful everywhere else in the world. At least that's what investors think. So that's why investors will also uh, consider local startups or startups that are successful here uh, more actively than anywhere else right because in this case like if the startup is somewhere is, is outside of silicon valley i still have to evaluate is this something local is, is there success uh, like a, a local anomaly or is it really a, um, a global innovation if the startup is here i'm pretty sure that uh, <clears throat> it's going to be successful everywhere else in the world the, the general rule is that uh, if you're not in Silicon Valley, you, you need to be successful at least in three independent markets. So if you are successful in Russia, Korea and Brazil, uh, you you can compete with uh, Silicon Valley startups. If, if you're only successful in one of those markets, investors here will not consider you seriously. That's actually really cool. Um rule uh, let's call it rule of three successes actually my last speaker uh had a really great company and he was growing organically he acquired six hundred thousand users organically but most of those users came from uh, taiwan i believe and when he came to the us raising he got rejected by every single investor so that sounds like a great explanation uh just follow the rule of three successes 
Yeah, um, I had the same experience when I came came in with uh, with a portfolio of startups, and I was talking to other investors, and I said, "Look, I have this startup with uh, 30 million users," and the investors would say, "I, I remember this quote from uh, from a large fund. They said you can have gazillion users on the moon. I don't really care. Show me either local traction or show me really global traction." Uh, yeah, that makes all sense. <laughs> so, another and question. And also, it, it, it forces uh, uh, it forces also founders to come in because uh, like even if you are a successful founder outside of Silicon Valley and you have a great product, all of the investors are going to ask you. So, if you are such so smart and you have such an innovative startup, why aren't you in Silicon Valley yet? <laughs> right, right. Even founders who don't really want to be here, they have to do something. They're forced to have some sort of presence uh, to to prove that they are really invading. Right. So the next question is, uh, why are some startups attracting more money than they need, while others can't even raise the minimum round that they require, that they actually need, need, need? Yes, uh, you know, as I said, uh, this this all comes as the result of this rule that the winner takes it all, and the investors are trying to understand who is the winner. And in some cases, uh, and, and we need to understand this is a very very unfair market. This is not like a stock market or anything else. Venture business is all built on uh, uh, insights and in, in insider trading. Now, if this would be a public market, we, we all would go to prison for 20 years. Um, but uh, since these are private companies and they're not regulated, we can do whatever investors want. So when, uh, uh, when, the, uh, when investor is considering where to put the money, they, uh, they first look into a specific market or niche that they want to be and then they try to evaluate who's going to be the winner of the segment. And the, the one option is to pray and pray. You know, you put into 100 companies doing the same thing and hope that one of them will uh, win. The other option is to uh, carefully evaluate and find somebody who is uh, who's going to, um, you know, who has the highest probability of winning. The third stretch has to throw so much money into one of the participants that nobody else will dare competing with them, right? And uh, in in best case for the startup, they will use all three techniques. So they will pick the best player or the number of best players, like two or three, and put as much money as possible, not depending on how much money the, the project would need, but depend, but based on uh, like as much money as the startup can uh, absorb to protect themselves from the competition. And uh, sometimes this doesn't work well because uh, like a stupid startup will get a lot of money for nothing. Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, in most cases, this would work pretty well. And uh, the the startup that has all of these uh, uh, parameters. So basically, uh, they have a lot of investments uh, and, and 
good traction at the beginning, they will most likely succeed at later stages as well. So that, that will attract a lot of And then you have this uh, former effect, fear of missing out, when uh, when other investors fear of missing out opportunity, uh, they will do follow-on investments and chase uh, uh, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you for a second. Just a second. Uh, someone just joined the call, and can you can you mute yourself, please? Uh, you're making some background noise. Awesome. Thanks. Let's keep going. So this uh, uh, this results in in this uh, very unfair distribution. So basically, but the same is happening with the. Uh, uh, with the uh, exits as well, right? As I said, the uh, like the first player in every market will get like eighty percent of the value out of this. The the second two will get another fifteen percent, and the rest thousand will share the remaining five percent of the value. The same is happening with the investment. So the uh, the startups that uh, become successful and get and attract a lot of money, they uh, uh, they not always focus on you know making sure they have the best product ready and the platform and the technology, but they focus on the idea of becoming the leader in a specific market. It can be a narrow niche or a, a, you know narrow market, but it has to be. But you have to become a leader and number one in them. When you come and say, I'm like Facebook, but better because I have few more features, it's not going to do any good. But if you come and say, I know how to make users uh, be more social in a completely different way, like through images, for example, even if you don't have a product, uh, you will get a lot of attention. Um, and uh, also, I will say that uh, once again, because there is fear of missing out, it's always very hard to get the first investment, but it's always very easy to get the last investment in the round because all the investors want to be the last in the round. You know, the valuation is the same, but the risk is much lower than if you're the first investor in the round. So <clears throat> you, you can start with uh, you know, more close investors or those that are uh that are willing to support you for whatever strategic reason for example to to open the round and then uh, get more of the follow-on investments once investors see that it's a really interesting opportunity there are a lot of techniques on how to how to make this successful uh so speaking of attracting attention uh we have another very very important and probably most of the interesting questions here it's uh how how can you stand out from the crowd, especially in a Silicon Valley, the most competitive city in the world, probably? So how how do you get noticed by VCs? Yeah, I'll, I'll give just a few hints uh, to make it practical. So we're not talking about uh, like general things, you know, have a good team, uh, have a good product, uh, etc. The specific techniques when when I moved here and I was looking for the ways to uh, get noticed, I I made several notes for me. So first and most important is uh, business development. The best way to 
to cause interest is to do business development. So if you have a if you have a B2B product, you go to large potential partners. And all of these partners, all of these big companies, they have uh, either their own venture arms or they have venture funds like myself, you know, running around and looking for interesting ideas. Uh, so if you have a B2B product, you go to uh, big potential buyers. And in many cases, you can sell a product even before you build it, right? With uh, just a PowerPoint presentation or at least get a letter of intent or something. Right. When if you're Even if you're doing a consumer product, you still can get your first thousand users and you focus on making sure that they uh, you know show real value that they use your product every day you don't have to get millions of users you need to prove that your product is being used by a specific group of people and if the, if those people are happy if your corporate buyers are happy th this information will spread very quickly to investors so business development especially for an international startup is the best way to get attention right away. Second is, uh, you'll be surprised, is just be known and, and so be loud, uh, you know, doing PR and, and social media. Uh, this was the first advice I got from all of the funds I was talking to when I just moved. They said, you can sell a company for a million for $100 million if nobody knows about it. So you have to be vocal and, and uh, social from the very beginning. That's, uh, that's technique number two. And also keep in mind that all the investors rely on recommendations when they deal with startups. So I review about 3,000 projects a year. I make about 10 to 15 investments per year. When I analyzed all of the investments I did over the last couple of years, I realized that maybe two or three of them altogether came directly to me as like a, uh, as a incoming email from somebody. All the other startups came as through recommendations. So uh, if you want to reach investor, you know, the worst thing you can do is send them an email with, uh, with your pitch. The best thing you can do is analyze what kind of joint connections you have and uh, the best uh, the best sources of recommendations are either other investors or startup founders of portfolio companies and startup founders have all been in the same situation as you they all know how hard it is to get to the investor so if you can convince a startup founder in the portfolio that you have a, a, a startup worth recommending they will send the recommendation and I will always take the meeting following their recommendation. If you can't sell your idea even to another startup founder, there's something wrong with your product and you need to get back and reevaluate what you're doing. Um, so uh, your smaller investors like accelerators and angel investors is uh, source number one of references. Startup founders is source number two. And I think startup founders is the most under, undervalued uh, source of recommendation for the founders. Uh, but then also you have lawyers. Lawyers are extremely powerful here in Silicon Valley and, and they can do good uh, recommendations. They know everybody. Um, uh, even a CPA, like accountant, can be a good, uh, uh, could be a good uh, recommender. Uh, and uh, so if you, uh, 
this was, by the way, one of the exercises when I moved. I went as a startup founder. I went through uh, two acceleration programs. I went through the, the Founder Institute and then Plug and Play, just to learn how startups work. And one of the great exercises I had at uh, Founder Institute was uh, when they they said uh, next in the next week you need to uh, take the list of top ten. Uh, legal firms in Silicon Valley, find the partner there, meet with them, convince them to give you at least $20,000 worth of credit in their services for your new startup. If you can't convince the lawyer uh, with your startup to, to, to invest with their services, it's not even worth trying with investors. Uh, and, and this was a great advice. Uh, and I, and I, I give it to all the founders as well. Start pitching first and start approaching with, uh, uh, you know, with friends and family, with uh, lawyers, with uh, advisors, with uh, services like, uh, you know, Amazon and Google are giving free credits to startups. So it's very easy to uh, to get their support. And and it's a good practice to, to start with. And once you're ready, once you have several of those uh, potential investors or partners on board, then you can start approaching the funds. But once again, always do this through a recommendation. And you'll be surprised how many people in common you have with me, for example, or with any other investor on the market. Got it. That sounds like really great advice. Usually people just say like, have a good team, clear vision, blah, blah, blah. That sounds really great and very, very specific. Um, all right, we have a question from Sunil. Um, he's saying, you mentioned deep scientific understanding and go-to strategy of product market fit as key elements of success, yeah. successful investors. Um, how do you evaluate deep scientific understanding? Uh, how do you evaluate its relative importance? Yeah, this is a very good question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so... I mean, I can't be an expert in all of these fields. So I know very little about uh, all the scientific uh, part of the business that I'm investing in. But uh, normally, I would do a very simple check. I would say, uh, so it, ideally, it should be a very simple problem of a very simple uh, form problem to formulate, which has a very sophisticated technological solution. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, so three years ago, uh, I, I met with uh, uh, innovation directors at several uh, car manufacturers asking what would it take to produce self-driving cars. And they gave me a list of technologies that were missing. And the most important was uh, like a 3D vision system for self-driving cars, right? Um, uh, and uh, because the the existing systems were, that were used were based on uh, industrial lidars that are very expensive and uh, uh, and also dangerous for the human eye. Uh, so and then I, I started to scout for technologies that could make the improvement, and we found uh, this young talented uh, uh, guy uh, Austin was we met him at his. Uh, 21st birthday party, right? And he showed uh, the, the prototype of his system that he built out of uh, available components, like from home electronics. And 
his device uh, worth $500 could could see up to 250 meters while the his next competitor was uh, the product worth $70,000 would see only at 50 meters uh, and uh, this, this distance makes a huge difference because the the further the system can see the, the higher can be the speed of the self-driving car um, and uh, so we ended up investing 20 million dollars into into this newly formed company with a very unique product and now it's a billion dollar company and it has almost two billion dollars worth in uh, orders from uh, car manufacturers and you know all the best investors in the, in the valley uh, so in my case in this case i had no clue about how this technology would work but i I'm, I'm i was looking for a specific solution to to a big problem i found uh, a founder with a great hypothesis I then hired a technical team from NASA to help me evaluate the core element of the technology and explain how this works and what makes it unique. And after uh, after evaluating all this, I made the, I made the decision to invest. Um, so in most cases, if you have a very sophisticated technology, it makes sense to to be able to explain it in a very in very simple words to investors and explain the, the value that this technology can bring and then uh, understand and then the only thing investor has to do is to evaluate if this technology actually works and this can be done by a third party or you can show this proof yourself with some tests and, and etc so it makes it life much easier it's much more difficult when the technology is, is complicated, but the founder also can't explain how this technology can turn into a product. I hope I answered your question. For me, that sounded like a great answer, like literally the, the best you could give. All right, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, yeah, to evaluate its relative importance, it's, it's basically your job as a founder to, uh, to explain it in very simple words. Right, okay, right. Then. Yeah. Uh, Thanks a lot, Pavel, for joining us today and sharing a lot of useful information. Most important, very specific and really helpful, I believe. Even I learned a lot of new stuff today. Um, we'll wrap it up here. And before we all go, I just want to let you know that next founder fundraising radio episode is going to be not Saturday as usually, but Friday. So um, keep watching the updates. Thanks a lot, Pavel, for joining us today. Thanks our listeners for being with us today and have a great weekend.